Welcome to the SoCal Hymns Podcast. I am Sarah Richardson, and today we are featuring part two in a conversation with Sri Bharadwaj on the current state of healthcare cybersecurity. Sri is a Director of Information Systems and CISO at the University of California, Irvine Healthcare, UCI Health, and has over 25 years of information management systems experience in multiple industries, including healthcare. Shri has held many leadership positions with provider and payer organization. And prior to his current work at UCI, Shri consulted with Integrated Delivery Network, IDNs, around ACO, HIE, and clinical integration. Shri has expertise in applications development, enterprise-wide IT infrastructure and operations. Shri is well known as a SME in delivering performance improvements in multiple industries during his long tenure with Deloitte in various parts of the Americas, Asia Pacific, and EMEA region. Shri is a CHCIO, FHIMS, CPHIMS, PMP, CISSP, Chartered Global Management Accountant, and Six Sigma Black Belt. Shri is currently member of HIMS National Public Policy Committee and past chair, Privacy and Security Committee, and past president of SoCal HIMS. Good morning, Shri. Thank you for joining us on our program again to talk about an incredibly important topic that seems to morph and change every single day, and that's really the current state of healthcare cybersecurity, everything from threats, breaches, challenges, and, and how one can be prepared. So I'll start off with saying, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. It's nice to be back here. Are we ever really safe, and, and how safe is safe enough? And I say this in the context of you believe that when you do business with an organization, especially in a healthcare organization, they are protecting the financial data, they are protecting the privacy of, of information that we have in the EMR, et cetera. And you think about how many breaches we have in the outside world. There's, we know that our places that we shop get breached. We know that our credit card companies get breached. We know that Facebook has our information everywhere. And what's fascinating about most of this is we give a lot of this information away for free. So when I think about what it means to be safe and have our information protected, we give most of it away personally in our free time anyway. So how safe can any organization and any person ever really be? Classic question, uh, and also the what's been happening in the past couple of weeks with Facebook, right? I mean, we have the ability to give away our data, and we have our ability to, to manage to whom we give the data to. However, we also have the right to protect that data because it's our data. As simple as that. You know, there is going to be a time when you look at blockchain to evaluate um, your ability to control your data using some sort of an algorithm that you have in your hand that you can um, message to say, I want only this physician to see only this type of data. For example, if I'm going to go and see uh, uh, something for my foot, uh, he doesn't need to know that I had a heart transplant um, three years ago. He needs to know, yes, do I have diabetes because it impacts the foot and you get foot disease? Or do I have any other ailment that's going on? But that information that he, I, I had a heart transplant is something that he may not, he may not need to know. Unless otherwise there is something else that he sees in the diagnosis that lead him, leads him to believe that there's something else could be impacted. So you can protect the data, you can keep the data, you can manage the data. We are going to get to that kind of state. That is the only way we are going to protect data from uh, prying eyes. Now, talk about the millennials. It's a very different conversation. They are like, 90% of my data is already out there. 
what am I going to do with the balance 10%? Is their philosophy. And nothing wrong with that. A great philosophy to have, but the impact of the data that somebody else has through their Facebook or through their opinions that they write on social media or through pictures that are posted on Instagram or um, the Twitter messages, the Pinterest messages that are out there, all of these, if I collate together, I will know your persona, what you like, what you don't like, how you go about doing things, what, where, where were you, where are you going to be tomorrow, how, you're going, how is that going to impact you. If I take that and if I add Uber to it and if I add uh, data from um, your bank, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident that I'll be able to know just about 98% of everything going on in your life because that's where uh, the data lies. The data doesn't lie in, in, within yourself. The data is actually around devices that you, you got around you. The only way to protect the data is to figure out how much are you sharing. I was talking to somebody yesterday and they had an 11-year-old daughter, and she was telling the 11-year-old daughter, don't put on the internet anything that your grandma would not want you to see, or you would not want grandma to see. That is the type of relevance that people have to get into their heads, because it's a, it's a very different um, lifestyle that we live today, and that lifestyle requires us to be a bit more cautious and a bit more uh, managed on how we share data with folks. So share with us the recent results from both the HIMSS survey and also what we can expect from the new GDPR compliance that's coming out from Europe that really goes into effect next month. So when you look at the GDPR uh, that is happening next month, uh, it's the, it's the um, EU version of our way to manage healthcare data. Um, definitely, uh, it's, uh, the, uh, there's a lot of privacy uh, that um, impacts the way we operate. Uh, there's 4% potential fines as a percentage of global turnover. Uh, there are seven core individual rights that are afforded under the GDPR. Um, you know, you're given 72 hours to report a data breach. Um, you're looking at a fine in, in EU terms, uh, about 203 million. And, uh, you know, there are 80 plus other new requirements in the GDPR that people have to worry about. And of course, uh, the regulation just only doesn't relate to the EU. Uh, it relates to any EU person that's going anywhere else in the world. So you got about 190 plus countries that could impact by this. And we are looking at this hard as a uh, uh, as a UC wide scenario where we have patients coming in from all over the world for care, and we have to manage that information as well in order to report if required. Uh, and manage that. Uh, by the way, GDPR stands for General Data Protection Regulation, um, and uh, these are pretty broad in terms of territorial scope and uh, have a pretty structured enforcement and accountability for the healthcare organizations. So a lot of these new regulations or the different penalties that get imposed are talking about 72 hours of the time of that you know that it occurred. And so the caveat there was always knowing that it had happened. How many breaches or how many issues are occurring in the cybersecurity space in healthcare that we really don't even know about? I mean, how prolific do you believe some of these breaches or some of this data mining that we don't know about is occurring? Um, it is interesting you asked the question because uh, 
we only report on what we know, right? We don't know what we don't know. And anything that is a material data breach, uh, you know, could be, you know, over 500 records that happens. So the only way we are going to know what's going on is when, in some respects, people report to us or we are able to catch it through some sort of a technology capability. I'll give you another example. One of, uh, one of our employees uh, was, was sending an email out. They're getting an email back, and this, this email back and forth was happening. And ultimately, the employee realized, wait a minute, this person is really asking for personal health information, which I should not be divulging. So they, they turned around and luckily called our help desk and said, this is what's going on. Can you help me? We took immediate action. We identified who the uh, sender was of the email, uh, who the recipient was, what that relationship could be, and identified that was not something that we would want anybody exposed through our process. So we shut down that communication. We tracked down that communication. Actually, came from uh, a masquerading email address that came from China. We're looking for information that will trigger a breach, which we have to report. Right? That is something that we have realized that we will not be able to do it ourselves. We have to have our employees report to us, and we have this saying, right? See something, say something. So we, we and when you see something happening in your environment, your, your, your computer going wonky, or your email back and forth, you're talking to somebody, and you, or, or even the fact that there's somebody snooping around in the hospital with a laptop uh, that's trying to connect to a, a device, you know that that is a problem. We, we, we don't know that, but people will know. So what we have tried to do is to educate our staff, train our people, and help bring this all together. Talking about education for a minute, and I'm going to sideline here, Sarah, is that one of the key things that we struggle today as CISOs is to find the right skilled employees, the right skilled workers to manage these dynamic threats. And that is a big concern for the industry as a whole. So one of the things that I am doing personally is to volunteering my time to see if I can start training the younger generation, uh, the veterans who come back from war, the, the kids who uh, graduate out of college, who earn these degrees but have little knowledge about how do they understand healthcare cybersecurity posture. I'm volunteering time to begin a course to start teaching them on how they can do this better. Number one. Number two, it helps the industry get better equipped skill resources. And number three, of course, um, selfishly, when I grow 70 years old, I hope my data is going to be secure by the guy whom I taught to in class 20 years ago. That is the way I look at it from my perspective by helping people get educated and um, understand how they can manage this dynamic threats that's happening in our lives day to day. Sure, I love that you point out always it comes back to the human factor of everything that we do in this business. I think about the education programs you talk about putting together. It makes me think that we need an S at the end of STEM. So we have science, technology, engineering, math, and security, or even the C for cybersecurity in there. Because if kids today, the millennials, have 90% of their information out there, 
the power of being able to even go into a kindergarten class and teach these kids across the board that all of these factors are so important because it does create your digital avatar throughout your lifetime. And by the way, the jobs that you're going to be filling in 15, 20 years don't even exist yet. But here's how we can teach you to think about what that might look like. And I think uh, having said that, I think one of the things that also I'm seeing is we want more women in cybersecurity. Um, Sarah, I really would like to see uh, women in healthcare, women in cybersecurity in healthcare grow in the industry. Uh, there's a lot of capabilities there that they can provide because um, traditionally uh, there has been a, a, a male set kind of capabilities more in cybersecurity. Not because it is not because it is uh, um, it is uh, it's been that way, but it's more because they come from your typical techie kind of style, where you are a CISSP or CCIE or CNIE or whatever, who is a who's a more a network type of capability, but now have to transition to a more uh, you know think about the executive approach and manage how you're going to talk to the boards about cybersecurity and so on and so forth. I think a transition to having more women participate in cybersecurity is crucial. So in the volunteer program, I'm actually talking about um, adding more um, skilled uh, women cybersecurity resources back to the marketplace, back to the industries for us to help. I love that approach. We have uh, two women on our information security dedicated team today. And it is always a conversation. And when we talk about career ladders and job families for teammates, it's like, have you thought about security? Because when you take someone who's traditionally been in the app side of the house, or even in any of the data entry spaces that we have, I think about that next step for them being out of that specific uh, framework and into something they have never done before, but they are already thinking about it from a different perspective because they have so much deep business knowledge from being part of, say, claims or contracting or other aspects of what it takes for IT to successfully support a robust healthcare organization. And so I am also teaching this course for nursing. Uh, created a course on cybersecurity for nursing. Uh, nursing, uh, for whatever we know, uh, has a lot of uh, women engaged in nursing. And we are thinking that if we infuse that cybersecurity thinking process with nursing, maybe there are possibilities that we could get some uh, very strong, skilled cybersecurity professionals coming from nursing, moving to technology. We always we always had nursing, nurses come into technology and become CNIOs. Uh, but um, I'm looking at trying to move that same angle to get more uh, nursing folks understand what cybersecurity is because they are at the forefront standing with the patient when the patient is listening to the Alexa in the room. So we want to be able to impart to them something that they can come together with and move this forward. So we'll see where that goes. I, I have some uh, pretty lofty ideas and, and goals to improve, uh, you know, the skilled labor capabilities in cybersecurity. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it, we'll see where this goes in about a year's time. So when we talk about the education of cybersecurity and individuals who may want to get involved or someone says, wow, I'm really interested in cybersecurity. I have no idea where to start. When they do start thinking, you start digging in, it's overwhelming. I mean, you look at all the aspects of it. Uh, for someone who hasn't been grown, hasn't grown up with it in the industry, some of it to start in this space would be pretty, pretty daunting. 
where do you recommend an individual start? Do you recommend that people go to really stay informed from not only the personal side of, of cybersecurity, but how they can be the eyes and ears of an organization? How do you stay informed and, and where do places that IT professionals can start to dabble in the space without it becoming uh, too overwhelming? I agree totally. Um, getting into the space and understanding this is really daunting. Um, uh, I was talking to a recent graduate uh, who said, Shri, I, I really am interested in cybersecurity, but you talk of so many things that is happening that is something that we can't even understand. We can't even begin to dream to think of because all we are taught in school is certain things that helps us get to a career. Um, and uh, that career may not be something that I'd be doing 25, 25 years down the line. So I, 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 I kind of helped him understand this. I said, look, if you're going to stay stagnant in the career and not learn, you're going to be dinosaurs. Um, let us evolve as you read, as you identify, as you look at various options. Evolve to start seeking information out in cybersecurity. Its information is up there, is out there a lot. So there are courses that you can take around cybersecurity. Uh, there are, um, you know, HIMSS has got a, a CP HIMSS course that has a, a complete chapter on cybersecurity that uh, we teach on a normal basis. Um, there are um, uh, CISSPs who are, you know, your brain nerds um, who are uh, excellent on cybersecurity who, you know, go through at least a few years of training and, and a lot of study uh, to get through the exam and become certified uh, to be a cybersecurity professional. Um, and to start small, just begin to start listening to podcasts, uh, YouTube videos, um, articles around cybersecurity. Um, there are plenty, plenty things that you, HIMSS publishes on an ongoing basis. I have written so many blogs, articles for HIMSS that keeps going out on a regular basis. And of course, you know, if anybody wants, they can contact me and I can help them through this process uh, by identifying things of interest that is of interest to them today based on where they are today and then where they can be of influence tomorrow. Well, I think it's fair to do a shout out for our own programs and that him Southern California chapter hosts an annual privacy and security forum that you've really been at the cornerstone of creating, maintaining, and bringing top talent to talk about this important topic. It's usually a January of every year. And you, do you have to be a member of, of HIMSS to join or do you open that registration to anybody who would be interested in, in becoming more involved in privacy and security? Thank you. The HIMSS Privacy and Security Forum, uh, it, was a, it was a very interesting journey. This is, I think, the eighth or ninth year we are doing this. Um, we, we started small. Uh, when we started, we had about 30 to probably 50 people in a hall um, that were there uh, supporting cybersecurity. The last time we held it, um, there was only standing room in a 250 people uh, situation, uh, speaking situation where um, people are willing to stand around and just listen. We brought speakers from all across the nation uh, to talk about various aspects and really help bring that for capability to the marketplace. We continue to evolve. We are uh, doing something similar. And I think every any person can join the Cybersecurity Privacy Forum, register themselves, and uh, be there, learn. And, of course, uh, they can also um, be members of 
the the larger group that puts it together as well as part of program. So we 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 encourage volunteers to become part of the program. We encourage people to learn um, through these means. And of course, um, I always go back to um, the hims.org website, the SoCal hims.org websites, which has information. And Sarah, you produce newsletters um, on a you know, quarterly basis that goes out to our membership. That'll be another way to, to learn about what's going on and about cybersecurity as well. No, absolutely. And I love the idea of even being able to expand privacy and security forum to if we had a goal, if we know that it's going to be in you know January of 19, for example, to challenge even ourselves to have a panel of IT security female professionals up there to talk about their journey and what they're doing in that space. And so I encourage our listeners that if you are a woman in healthcare IT security, reach out to Shri, reach out to myself, reach out to our chapter to get involved, to become uh, really an evangelist of what it is we're looking to create in this space, not just because it's important for our industry, uh, but it's really important so that we grow uh, the overall composition of what it is we're looking to achieve in a space that is changing every single day. Awesome. This is fantastic. It has been. Shri, as we part, I always ask for parting thoughts or comments. We've covered a ton of territory today, and I want to make sure our listeners walk away with like the top two or three things that you're thinking about uh, in this space every day uh, and what you want people to, to have resonate with them as they, uh, as they listen today. Um, I would like people to understand that, you know, um, it's, not about, it's not about trying to protect patient data. It's not about trying to evaluate uh, how a cybersecurity threat is happening, but it's more about um, becoming part of that security fabric. Every human being out there, whether he is engaged in healthcare or not, has data that he's carrying within. That data that he's carrying within is private to him, only that he can share only if he wants to share it. That would be the way people protect themselves and help us, us as CISOs, uh, protect their data as well. And if somebody asks for something that you believe is incorrect, tell people, let people know that this is what is going on. And that's the only way we can be more secure, we can be scalable, because just by putting tools and technologies, we will not be able to build a more secure stable and scalable environment for us. Excellent. Shri, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to the SoCal Hymns podcast series. Special thanks to Esteban Parano, our audio and mixing engineer, for helping us to produce our podcast series.